Uh, I'm so delighted to be here. I was the Arthur H. DeCreiter Chair in Faith and Communication at Calvin College for a number of years before I took early retirement last year to spend more time writing and mentoring, especially mentoring people, communicators in many different fields, including working with pastors who are right out of seminary but are not very good preachers. And that is a marvelous challenge, believe me, I've loved that work. And it's very difficult to make the move from a seminary these days right into being an effective preacher. So I'm doing that, a lot of prayer, a lot of meditation. It's been terrific spiritual uh, time in my life. And can, uh, I've, I'm so blessed. And being a friend of Christ Church here has been part of that blessing. What I want to do this morning with you is share in a nutshell from one biblical text terrific wisdom about communication to help transform your life and the lives of those around you and your relationship with God and your relationship with yourself. The Bible, as you all know, is loaded with wisdom. But in this case, we have a letter written probably by Jesus' brother, James. So this is James 3. And imagine this is a letter that he writes to some churches. Okay? Here's how James 3 begins. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now imagine that you're at a church a church made up primarily of Jews, small beginning churches, and you get a letter from Jesus' brother, and you're all excited because these letters would be read in worship, these epistles as we call them. They rip open this letter, they start reading. These are the leaders, the teachers of the church. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways, If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. I read that with a little bit of irony. If any of you is never at fault for what you say. He continues, when we put bits bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants them to go. Like a bit now, like a rudder, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a whole world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person. It sets the whole course of his life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no one, no one can tame the tongue It is a restless evil, full 
of deadly poison. And then James continues, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's image and likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So writes James, probably Jesus' brother, to these emerging churches made up primarily of Jews. And they read this, and then they would have people as the teachers in these new congregations comment upon it, help bring some wisdom out. And that's what I would like to do with you. I've been a scholar of communication, but also a Christian since I was in graduate school. And I've always tried to put the study and practice of communication as a scholar together with an understanding of what the Christian faith has to say about communication. And this is exactly what James does. It's amazing. I want to share three aspects of communication for each of you to apply to your lives. Each of these three is a kind of a problem with our communication. And then in each case, I'm going to suggest how we respond to that problem, what we can do, practically speaking, in our own lives. First, our communication is incredibly weighty, weighty. Now, James here is talking about the tongue. And we could say that what he means by the tongue is our speech, our relational communication, the communication we practice day in and day out that forms our relationships. And it forms three kinds of relationships. Our relationship with God, our relationship with other people, what Scripture calls our neighbors, includes our family, and then our relationship with ourselves. Because we're always in communication with ourselves as well. Why did I say that? What should I say here? In the morning, what did I say the night before to someone? We're always in communication with ourselves, forming a kind of relationship with ourselves as well as with God and neighbors. When James says we put bits into the mouths of horses and we put rudders on ships to steer them, and then when he says this changes the whole course, this tongue changes the whole course of somebody's life, he's saying this is a weighty business. This has gravity, gravitas. We're not talking about just idle conversation. We're not talking just about a text on a phone or email or old-fashioned technologies like a fax machine or television. We're talking about that which forms our lives, the course of our lives, our tongue, our speech. It's weighty business, incredibly weighty business. We all know this, but we have to remind ourselves. Over the course of my years of teaching, 
I would hear from former students, sometimes 10 years back, 20 years back, 30 years back. Eventually they would send an email. And generally it was an amazing email that would say, you said something back there in that class, in that semester, in that year, Professor Schultz, that changed my life. And then they would tell me what I said. Did I say that? I have some recollection. Sounds like something I might have said. I don't remember the situation exactly. Remember the student? Something I said on a given day changed somebody's life. Amazing. But do you know that this is true for all of us in our daily use of our tongues? We're shaping relationships and we're shaping the lives in these relationships. In fact, in my recent years of teaching, at the end of the semester, I had a standard presentation to apologize to all of the students in the class for things I might have done, especially what I said, that may have offended them or hurt them or even challenged their faith in a way it shouldn't have been challenged. Weighty stuff. Standard apology. Because I know people are less likely to come back to me later and say, you said things that hurt they're much more likely to come back with the things that were positive. But we all hurt as well. Our speech is weighty, very, very weighty. I carry a special pen with me that my daughter and son-in-law gave to me. It's a handcrafted pen. Because every time I take that pen out of my pocket to use it, every time I put it in my pocket in the morning, I want to remind myself of the weightiness of my communication for that day. The weightiness. You see, that daughter is the same daughter that told me when I asked her, one of the, what are the worst things I've ever done to you over the years that I really should have apologized for? It's a great practice. She recalled something in the Mall of America in Minneapolis where she was a little kid and she ordered a kitty cocktail and apparently I was critical of her for ordering it. It was expensive, it would be too sweet, you wouldn't like it. She remembers decades later that. And when I take that pen in the morning and put it in my pocket, and when I take it out to write something, I'm reminding myself of the weightiness of communication. The answer for us to the weightiness of our communication is to be humble. It's humility. We are never going to control completely the impact of our communication. But we need the best we can to keep in our minds what's happening as we communicate, to be humble about it, and thereby to be like Jesus, who so humbled himself that he came down to earth, to the humus, the humility down to the ground, the dirt, the humus, the root word for humility. And he became like us, was treated like us in terms of communication. And he took all of that, as well as all the brutal physical stuff, and gave his life for us. We need to be humble, my friends. The more we seek control over other people with our tongues, the more problems we get into. When we see other people as people to be served, to be loved, to be encouraged and developed as people, we're in a humble track, and the weightiness 
of our communication becomes something very, very positive. Second, our communication is incredibly wild. It's weighty and it's wild, really wild. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures are being tamed and have been tamed, writes James. But no man can tame the tongue. It is restless evil full of poison. It's wild. You all know this. Sometimes we wonder, that came out of my mouth? I said that? How did, where did that come from? I wouldn't want anyone to say that to me. What happened there? Sometime even with our own children or with people we work with or neighbors. We say things that we regret and they seem to come out of nowhere, out of this wild, untamed, undomesticated beast within us. It comes right out. Boom. We can't tame this completely. But with patience, learning patience, we can forestall it. Forestall it. Patience. We not only need to be humble, we need to be patient. Here I'm talking first about immediate patience. So suddenly you're in a situation, you're in a conversation with someone, or you're texting, or you're going to put a, a message on a news site online where you can post comments in response to something. Well, you want to see the, the tongue gone wild. Take a look at those areas. And we think for just a second. We bring our mind and our hearts into it, and we say, what are we doing here? What am I doing? What's my motive? What do I want to have happen here? Am I putting other people down to build myself up? Does it just make me feel good to be nasty? Why am I not being positive here? I could say something that would be a blessing to someone. Why don't I do that? The immediate context is an opportunity for us to step back with a bit of patience. When we're impatient, our tongue gets us into trouble. My wife and I have a way of doing this that works most of the time for us. It's an agreed-upon word, one word. And whenever we're in a situation where one of us feels that the other person is hurting them, we're hurting them, we say it. Ouch. Ouch. Right in the middle of a conversation, one of us says to the other, ouch. Ouch. What that means is, what you're saying now is hurting me. And it's time for both of us to back off and be patient and say, what are we doing here? It doesn't make any difference who's right, who's wrong. This is not a matter of getting ahead, approving ourselves. This is a matter of building throughout life a relationship, a marriage. If somebody's hurt, we stop. We regroup. Ouch. That has been one of the best blessings for me as a husband to have that practice with my wife. And all it's doing, but profoundly, is getting us to stop with a little bit of patience because our tongues are running ahead of where we would want them to be. We're wild. We are truly wild creatures. We also find with all of our communication, but especially that which comes from the mouth, that in addition to being weighty 
in addition to being wild, it's incredibly wasteful. Wasteful. We waste so much of our time with communication that doesn't have value in God's kingdom, in God's economy, it doesn't have value. I'm not suggesting here that we communicate only when we've worked it all out carefully and we know exactly what will be a value for our relationship with God, other people, and ourselves. What I am suggesting is we tend to go in one direction or the other. One direction is toward praising and blessing and encouraging. And the other direction, which is the wasteful direction, is the direction of cursing, of criticizing, and becoming cynical people. And then, if we go that latter direction, much of our communication becomes a waste. James says here, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. He says, what are you doing here? Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. This should not be. What are we doing? You know, God created us as caretakers of this incredible world. Caretakers, stewards. If you will, we're entrepreneurs in God's world, creating additional value out of the world that God gave us to take care of. And we can't do this without the tongue. Speech is incredible. It allows us to work together, to serve others, to build up all kinds of relationships, do all kinds of work. It's, it's stewardship, this right use of the tongue. But when we take it for granted, when we become spoiled in our taking it for granted, we're no longer thinking about our communication. We're no longer processing it, processing it through our head and our hearts, but we're just going along day to day. We're lousy stewards. We're not caretakers of language and the three relationships that we form through language. So instead of forming good and right relationships, we end up deforming them. The same communication that allows us to form the kinds of relationships that are really praise to God allows us to deform our relationships into relationships that God looks down on and says, what poor stewardship. Do you not know what I've done for you, God says? Do you have no sense of the value of that tongue of yours? The incredible power and potential there? God says, you know, even when you're not talking about me, you're cursing other people. You're hurting me. You're not giving me evidence of you being thankful, grateful for what I have done. The answer to the wasteful aspects of our communication is for us to be more grateful people. It's gratitude. I recently co-authored a book on interpersonal communication, one-on-one, -on -one, small group kinds of things. 
And my co-author and I thought, you know, the first chapter has to be a chapter on gratitude. Gratitude is the missing first chapter in all books on communication. Because if we don't start our communication with a sense of gratitude for that gift, for what God has given us, we all move in the direction of cursing. We become spoiled. We think communication is a gift for ourselves, for the use of ourselves and our interests in our lives, not a gift from God to be used in service as a way of praising God through truly good communication. Gratitude. How do you develop gratitude in your life? Or whether or not you do, I'll tell you now, will make a huge difference in your communication. Huge. When you wake up in the morning, give thanks for another day. For all the relationships that you have that have any value in them at all. It's all a gift. We could give thanks for everybody who has ever taught us to communicate. Our relatives, our parents, grandparents, all the teachers that we've had. Just using communication alone and thinking about how grateful we should be for that gift from God all the way through the centuries should turn our hearts around so that instead of wastefully cursing, putting down, criticizing, being indifferent, we should be about Jesus' work of building people up and forming the kinds of relationships that are so good that God is praised by that relationship. And we can only do that with the gift of the tongue, of speech, which allows us to have relationships. You know, James says in chapter 1 of this book, we should be slow to speak and quick to listen. Slow to speak and quick to listen. Terrific wisdom. And I tell you, when you're slow to speak, you create an opening for gratitude. It creates an opening. We all need times during the day and worship whenever it's appropriate on the weekends or otherwise to open up the gratitude in our hearts. The faster we live, the faster we communicate, the more trouble we get into with our weighty, wild, and wasteful communication. And the world we live in now says that the answer to communication is technology, a faster smartphone. A smartphone. wonder what James would say about that term, a smartphone used by dumb people, fallen people. What would he say about that? I don't know. Technology is not the answer. It becomes a carrier of the problem until we dedicate the time to develop gratitude so that the way we begin using technologies in our lives reflects our response to God's gift of communication 
rather than our own tendency to want to com use communication just for ourselves. Grateful hearts are the playground for the Holy Spirit to redirect the course of our lives. Grateful hearts are the playground for the Holy Spirit to redirect the course of our lives. That term that James uses, the very course of our lives. Very, very important. I grew up in Chicago and I went to the University of Illinois to learn about communication, but only secondarily. I went to study technology. I was going to be really good at technology. The problem was I'd grown up in a home with horrible communication. The first communication course I took, I thought, there may be hope for me here. There may be hope. My father was an alcoholic. He died at 63. My mother was a paranoid schizophrenic. And I grew up in what James would refer to here as a kind of living hell. Horrible communication. Horrible. I can still hear at night when my father was drunk and being abusive, my mother and father arguing. My mother saying, you drunk. You lousy drunk. You good-for-nothing drunk. And my father saying again and again in various forms, like a litany, you psycho. You no good psycho. With fisticuffs. I went inside my shell. I became a non-communicator because I didn't know how to communicate. We all are wounded, bruised communicators. We grow up in imperfect situations with communication and it will always be that way in a fallen, a broken world. The question is how we respond to it in our lives. We see it's weighty, we humble ourselves. If it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. We see that it's wild, we patiently hold back rather than jumping in. Ouch! Cool it right there. We see that our communication, so much of it is wasteful because we're not grateful to God for what God has given us. We squander the gift. We fill our hearts with gratitude. We worship God. We commune closer and closer to God through Christ and our relationships around us and our relationship with ourselves start to grow in ways that are themselves praise to God. For every good word we hear, every good word we utter, every text we send that has real kingdom value, our lives become a kind of playground for the Holy Spirit to speak to us through our grateful hearts and say, this is how you should be as a communicator. And when you are this way, you are not only like Jesus, but you will also discover tremendous joy. One year ago, I was at the burial site of my father. 
it took this long for me to get over all of my resentment, all of my cursing, all of my anger, to go to that gravesite to reunite with my father, to forgive him, and to feel forgiven by God for all of the things that I have said about him, all of the curses I wished upon him. Patience sometimes takes a life to happen. But this is the God that we have that makes these things happen. It's a glorious way of life. Side with James on this. Take your tongue. Move ahead with patience, humility, a heart full of gratitude. You'll become a better communicator and your own communication will be praise to God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.